Dilly, dilly, dilly dong, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to a new episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League <laughs> podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, your Swede, and Elliot Niblock, your Yank. The reason... We are in podcast, man. Dilly, yes. ding, dilly, dong. Yes. Podcasting. Dilly, ding, dilly, dong. So the reason why I'm so excited and dilly, dilling and dilly, donging, it's because Claudio Ranier is back in the Premier League. He is taking over as manager of Fulham. After they uh, decided to part ways with Slavisa Jokanovic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I feel bad for Jokanovic. But at the same time, I'm, I'm very happy to see Ranieri back in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm thrilled to see Ranieri back. I think it's a great appointment for the Cottagers. And, I mean, like Fulham were woefully underperforming, right? Like they've got, they had a strong side in the championship. I, we spoke about this earlier in the offseason that they improved their squad in the offseason. Like this is a team that has chronically underperformed. They've conceded. 31 goals. They have only five points from 12 games. Uh, they they needed a change, and they made a great one. Yep. No, and it also it's part of the sh- you know the whole aura and charm around Ranieri is that he, you know, it's easy for someone who has managed clubs like you know just to read off a couple of teams on his <laughs> CV: Valencia, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea. Uh, Juventus, Roma, Inter, Monaco. You know, it's uh, it's easy for someone like that who's, you know, they could just be like, nah, you know what, Fulham might not be on my level. Nantes might not be on my level. Leicester City might have not even be been on his level, really. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, after you know, I stint with Leicester, he went over to France, uh, coached Nantes for a bit, and do too well there but happy to see him back in the premier league and hopefully it will give fulham sort of that jolt that they need in order to fight for their survival i'm super oh. happy they didn't go and hire sam allardyce oh god no <laughs> yeah this is a really positive appointment i mean and i think that the fact that he doesn't view himself as above clubs like leicester city and fulham Obviously, he's a Premier League champion, and that would not have been the case if he had had that pretension. Yeah. But he didn't, and this is – but let's make no mistake. This is a huge job ahead of him. And oh, at the same absolutely. time, this was the 100% right time because they're only three points away from being above the drop. Granted, with that abysmal aforementioned goal difference, they're going to really need to knock some in because even if they made up that three-point gap on the likes of – Crystal Palace, Southampton, they still are, they are 11 goals behind Palace on goal difference, who are sitting at minus 9 to their minus 20. So it's a big job, but it's not an insurmountable gap. This is absolutely the time to do it early on in the season. And I I had to eat some crow because I thought that Fulham were going to be a much stronger team through the first quarter of this campaign, but... I think that Ranieri can do the job despite sitting smack bang bottom of the table to have them avoid the drop and get Premier League football next season. Yeah, I, Prove you, me right, guys. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you were probably a little bit higher on Fulham than I was going into the season, but still, I didn't think they would struggle this much. And no. I definitely had them as, you know, they're probably going to stay up. They, the quality side. And uh, yeah, we'll see what Ranier can make out of this squad right now. It, it looks like 
most of the backroom staff has gone too, so he will bring in his legion of Italians. Uh, one legion of Italians. One member that will remain likely is Scott Parker, who uh, joined Fulham in July, and Ranieri actually signed the former midfielder while he was at Chelsea in 2004. So a nice little tidbit for you there. So um, yeah, some interesting news here coming up, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just happy about this, uh, Ranieri. If not, he's always good for a great soundbite. Yeah. And I think he's a legitimately good manager who's uh, had a rough go at some of the places he's been. Um, you know, it wasn't... Yeah, he, he doesn't tend to stay that long at clubs. Like his, no. long, his longest stint is four years at Fiorentina. And four years at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that is partially down to the merry-go-round culture in the top leagues and the top clubs of world football at the moment. But, you know, I mean, it is it really is a shame how his his how precipitous his fall from grace at the King Power was, because, I mean, he's a Leicester legend and he always will be. So. I'm sure that there'll be a lot of Fox's supporters who will be somewhat crestfallen to see him in charge of another Premier League team. But, you know, they're a classy lot. I'm sure that they'll support the Cottagers and get behind Ranieri as long as they're, of course, not playing Leicester themselves. Even then, I think they would sing his name. They sung his, oh, yeah, name. They sung his name when he was at the stadium last home game for Leicester. Very nice uh, to see there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, exciting. Very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good move, Fulham. We've talk, talked about this before. You know, you're coming up on an international break. That's a good time to change your manager if you feel like that, that's what's needed to sort of give the team a boost here. So he'll, he'll have some time to prepare for his first game as we are now in the international break, uh, Nations League and all that. Hula baloo. Hula baloo. Hula baloo. <laughs> Other news. Uh, as we're coming up on, uh, man, January is coming in quick here. Uh, only a month and a half away. And that oh means God, uh, me. that means silly season, you know, mid, mid-season, mid silly season. Somewhat silly season. Yeah. Silly-ish season. Yeah, not, like, a, not as bad as during the summer. No. No. But, only mildly silly. Yes. Uh, but one thing that we want to talk about, that's Christian Pulisic, of course, as we are both based here in the U.S., and he's the most prominent U.S. player right now. And he said he's open to a move to the Premier League, which is nice. Uh, But it looks like Chelsea is sort of in the lead. Well, but we don't, speaking of the silly season in January, we don't expect him to leave Dortmund before the summer, really, right? I mean, I don't. The only, that okay, the only way I could see that happening is yeah. you sell um now oh, I'm blanking on its name of course. Aiden Hazard. If you sell Hazard to Real Madrid, then you can just use that boatload of money and throw it on Oh yeah. Pulisic. But otherwise no would... summer, summer move. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Oh well I mean if I'm Pulisic I also 
don't want to leave yet, right? Like he struggled from injuries this fall, and also Dortmund are undefeated at the top of the table. What like, do you mean? What? You don't you don't want to move to England in the middle of winter? Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, not that you know, Germany not that in... northwestern Germany no. is exactly the tropics, but nope. But it's not as bad, at least. No, and well, but I mean, really, my my main point here is, regardless of weather, that. You know, he's got a very good chance at lifting a, a trophy at the end of this season in Germany. And that would be, of course, the ideal high to go out on is win the league with Dortmund and then leave. I mean, Dortmund are undefe- undefeated, as I said, but also not merely a top of the table undefeated, but a full seven points ahead of arch rivals Bayern Munich who are struggling this season. Yep. So that's a team I, that I could actually see do something during the transfer window in January. Bayern? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, shoot, we're seven points behind. Let's buy the best players in the league. Yeah, that's a thing they do. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's sad, but that's just the reality of it, really, when it comes totally. to, to the Bundesliga. Uh, one thing here, though, his current contract is set to expire in 2020. So if you're Dortmund and you really want him to stay... I mean, really, you got to start talking now. I I don't see that happening. I think he's gone in the summer. It's the move that makes the most sense. They can get a ton of money for him, even with his injury problems this season. But he's coming off an injury-prone season. He's coming into the last year of his contract. Clearly, Dortmund are still able to excel, even with him as essentially a squad player. I mean, which is to say nothing about to take away nothing from his contributions at the Stadium, right? No, he's had a great start to his career there. I think that he's benefited the team in a numerous, in a numerous, <laughs> in numerous big games. He has proven that he can score with the pressure on. He's proven that he can start and come off the bench, but they clearly are having success without him. And I don't know that it makes any sense to try to lock him down to a long-term contract rather than cash in, especially with, you know, given the point that you just made, right? The way in which Bayern tends to buy up all of the talent in Germany. You know, if you're going to compete with a club like that, you need to like have these huge profit margins on discovering players young, building them up and then selling them. Right. Mm -hmm. So they, they need that cash to compete with Bayern. He's not the centerpiece of their squad. They can get a ton of money. It just makes sense to sell. I think that Christian Pulisic is playing in England at the beginning of the 2019-2020 Premier League season. Oh, I hope you're right, and I hope it's on the red side of Manchester. <laughs> and I hope it's on the red side of London. <laughs> no, I mean, really, all, all top six teams, if we include Man United in that group, um, we're being generous and in including them there, <laughs> should really go after him if he if, okay. it, if it's, you know broadcasted that yes he is for sale yeah no absolutely and i think that however i don't sadly for my own selfish purposes i don't see arsenal as front runners for him but we will be looking to bolster our midfield because aaron ramsey is going to be gone so they're not they're certainly not like for like players but a young promising attacking minded midfielder is precisely what arsenal will need in the summer I'm not sure we'll be willing or able to splash the cash and lure him. Um, I mean, remember, though, that 
United is Pulisic's boyhood club. His, excuse me, his <laughs> boyhood club that he supported, right? So yeah, you, you guys have a decent chance. And they've been pretty lax with their purse strings here the past couple of years too. Uh, so we'll see. But I mean, if we, I assume that there's going to be a handful of teams, like top clubs, uh, vying to sign him. What can we speculate as far as an asking price for him? Oh boy. I, off the top of my head, I'm going to say 55. Okay. Uh, let's see what transfer marks thinks. (laughs) 55 million pounds. Yeah. I I think 55 is reasonable for a player of his stature with you know so much of his career ahead of him yeah one year left on his contract yeah uh he is valued at 45 million euros okay yeah but then you add a couple more as far as if you got several teams you know competing for him which there will be there's no there's no way you know um Well, and also just kind of the inflation of selling to England and Mm -hmm. all of the money that everyone knows lives there in general. Yeah, I think I would be surprised if he fetched more than 65 or under 50 million pounds. Yeah, I I could definitely see something like a 50 million base. That's what you get right off the bat. And then if if he does this, this and this, it might rise to like 60, 65. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's and especially with when you've got a player as young as him and you're banking on development, right? Like, if he helps you win the Champions League, that's phenomenal. If he kind of stalls and you're barely pushing for an FA Cup, then, uh, well, that's not great. But I I think that he's, you know, obviously he's a player that we rate highly from the men's national team perspective. I don't think that he is going to be vying for player of the year awards in England, but I think that he is going to have a shining career in the Premier League nonetheless. Yeah, I I hope you're right. I really hope we get to see him in the Premier League next next season. Uh, one player that could also be on the move, that's Marko Arnautovic. Um, the Austrian forward says that he wants to play in the Champions League. And uh, seeing that he now plays for West Ham, the odds of that are Pretty far, far away. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Hammers. And I mean, really, he's 29 years old now, so I can understand if he if he sort of starts looking at, okay, why do, what do I want to accomplish in my career? Yeah. So, I mean, and he's, it's interesting. It reminds me somewhat of Clint Dempsey's failed move to Liverpool uh, in hopes of Champions League football that, of course, landed him at Spurs and he failed to actually play any Champions League football. But similar, you know, I would say a similar player in a lot of, not in terms of the style of their play, but where they're at in their careers, right? You know, pushing 30 has been a really useful goal scorer in the Premier League, but is, again, never really in that conversation of being truly world-class, but is a proven quality first team starter in the best league in the world. You know, I just hope that I hope he's got a better agent than Dempsey did. I think he has his brother. I I just took a sip of coffee and almost did a spit take there. Sorry. Yeah. His (laughs) brother, Daniel. Uh, Yeah. Well, keep it in the family, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess so. 
But if you look at Arnautovic, I mean, best case scenario, he would be a squad player in one of the top teams playing in the Champions League as far as yeah. the English sides goes. But that's, I mean, but, that, that is, that's his decision. Like, what, it, what do you, well, what do you really want to do? I'm thinking that he could move to a team like a Bruce Edwardment or a team in Italy, maybe. Or a team in London called the Arsenal. I mean, Danny with Danny Welbeck's out for the season. Like, I mean, that's... It, it all depends on what if he thinks that you know I need to be a starting player. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, his personality strikes me as the kind that he would really struggle to not be playing week in week out. But yeah. he's also got a and, and unfortunately, probably his brother is not the person to have this real talk kind of a conversation about what it's going to look like if he really, really wants Champions League football, and that is being a squad player. But Arsenal, are, I would I would gladly have him be a rotational player at Arsenal. But that's that's going to have to be the role that he fills. You know, he's going to have to be a new Olivier Giroud, and that that's the, the reality of the situation. Yeah. No, that's true. That, that's definitely true. So we'll, we'll see what he, Marco and his brother Daniel cook up here. Because uh, Champions League football with West Ham, eh, not very likely. No. Uh, speaking of West Ham, too, they are hopeful of signing Samir Nasri. Oh, God. So uh, they want to give him a deal until the end of the season. He would uh, not be eligible to play until January 1st because of his doping ban. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, Nasri. I mean, it's... If it's only until the end of the season, I don't see it as that big of a gamble. Really. No, of course not. But at yeah. the same time, I feel like he's fallen so far down from what he once was. Oh, yeah. No, totally. And he's also locker room poison. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I there are a lot of players who are talented enough to make up for the the catalyst for confrontation they provide in the dressing room and Semir Nasri is not one of them. Yeah, I forgot what it was he was suspended like what um, Which drug you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't recall either. It might have even been like one of the masking agents that was actually the issue. Now let's see, let's look it up here real quick. Yeah, in February Nasri was giving a six month ban, blah 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, wait, what? Okay. So he was giving a six-month ban for breaching VADA rules in December 2016 by receiving an intravenous drip of 500 milliliters of water containing nutrients. I guess that's not allowed. Uh, on August 1st, his ban was increased by an extra 12 months. Uh, okay. So, Interesting. Yes. So he has. Let's see what he's. What has he done? I think it's incredible that he was on the books for City until 2017. That is kind of remarkable. <laughs> uh, yeah, he went to Sevilla on loan the 2016-17 season. Then he did a handful of games for Antelayaspor in Turkey. So, uh, yeah, hard to say what kind of form he's in and everything. I know there's some... No kind of form at all. Yeah, there's uh, some concerns over his fitness. 
So we'll see what happens. He's uh, 31 years old, turns 32 next summer. So Yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully he doesn't go full on Des Bryant. Yep. Okay, let's move over to what happened in the last round of games. We've played 12 games already. Ooh. <laughs> what is that? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see the season go. Yeah, it's going by so quickly and not in a good way for, for me. Uh, we'll start with the Manchester Derby. City took a 3-1 to one win over United at the Etihad. I said beforehand I would be happy with one point, and it never even got close to that. Well, they got on the score sheet. Oh, hurrah. <laughs> uh, Got to pick your battles, man. <laughs> yep, no, that's true. Uh, David Silva scored in the 12th minute. Aguero made it 2 nothing in the 48th. Martial pulled one back from the penalty spot in the 58th. And then Ilkay Gundogan in the 86th minute. Bernardo Silva picked up two assists. And Mars picked up one assist. So, yeah, there was no doubt about which team was winning this game after that first goal. No doubt at all. It is uh, always tough to lose against City, but... In this manner, nonetheless, you know, fortunately, the scoreline wasn't too bad. Yeah, no. And again, like, uh, on the one hand, you got to be happy that you got on the score sheet. On the other, if that's your realistic goal, playing your arch rival across town. Well, I can't really say arch rival. Your cross town rival. Playing in a local derby. uh, That's never something that any supporter wants to hear. No, it sucks. One shot on target, six attempts. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens here going forward. Apparently, Moron Fellini cut his hair, so who knows what happens now? Ooh. 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 So, yeah, I mean, yeah, City, they're so stacked. They're so good. So all the all the praise to them for being really, really good, I guess. Uh, but it's still, it's so frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. Uh, let's talk about your team real quick, Arsenal. They got a 1-1 draw at home against Wolves. Lucky, lucky, lucky Arsenal. Yeah, so uh, Wolves had the lead for most of the game. Ivan Cavaliero scored in the 13th minute, and then Hendrik Mikitarian tied things up in the 86th minute. So, uh, yeah, what do you make of this game? 71, almost 72% possession for Arsenal, but only three shots on target. Yeah, they were, they looked, I mean, in the same way that we were happy to get a 1-1 draw against an extremely talented Liverpool side, this is very much the feeling of points dropped. And I think that the maybe the only positive is that the money that we spent on Bernd Leno seems now a clearly strong investment. I, I mean, he had a phenomenal game. He saved us the draw, but we look horrible at the back. You know, I saw a Sky Sports Premier League 11 that included Shkodran Mustafi, and I laughed out loud. Hmm. And although although he is not as obviously culpable as Granit Xhaka, who thoughtlessly left the ball for the first goal in this match and then just got turned like a motorized ballerina uh, trying to track back and defend to make up for his mistake. Mustafi is not even close to 
I mean, they paired him with Laporte. It was it was laughable. Like the different the golfing class there is just is so massive that the difference in their price tags you could buy a Premier League quality defender just with the difference between the cost of those two players. Yeah, if we, we were to sell them in January. Yeah, Leno looks like a good buy. He's in the German squad here for their um, game against uh, Russia and the Netherlands. So, uh... yeah. No, I, the, he is he is the only bright spot. Uh, I guess there's some bright spot in the sense that he's younger than I thought he was. He's only 26. Oh yeah, no, he's he's got and he's got a lot of of first team experience already under his belt, but also plenty of room for improvement. I mean, I think that he could, if we can hold on to him long enough, he could be uh, Jens Lehmann like. Arsenal great between the sticks. And not just because he's also German, but, you know, the parallel is there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's the the tough thing there with the German side. I mean, you got Manuel Neuer there, who still has, I think, a couple of good years left in him, really. So, uh, besides Neuer and Leno, they also had Kevin Trapp in this squad. So, yeah, and Ke- I mean, he's... Leno is definitely on the outside looking in, but as you say, with his age, he's got that advantage. I mean, he could, he might not start a major tournament for six years and still be the number one for the Euros in, you know, six years from now. That's, I think that's not unthinkable. No, I, uh, yeah, I have a hard time seeing Neuer at, what, 38, 39? No. No, especially not with Trap and Leno behind him. No. So no, that's true. Yep. Yeah. No uh, Mustafi in the German squad. <laughs> I can't, what the heck was Sky on about choosing him? I can't even believe it. Yeah, when was the last time he was actually in the German side? It's been. A while, uh, it? Yeah, it's been a few years. He got a call up. He got called up during World Cup qualifying, hmm. but that might have been the last time. Yeah. Odron. Yeah, we'll see how Germany bounced back after that disappointing showing in the World Cup, that's for sure. But on paper, they have a pretty good team still. So. Oh, yeah, they always have a pretty good team on paper. <laughs> they usually have a pretty good team on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very true. Uh, Arsenal, though, three straight draws in the league. Is that any area of concern? Or are you just I happy mean... you stay undefeated? Or undefeated, you, you have two losses on the season, but... You keep the undefeated run going here, at least. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a small consolation. The way in which this last draw took place was frustrating. I mean, I think that Emery has real questions about this team because not only are they woeful at the back very frequently, which we've known for a while, but they don't seem to come out the blocks with any real verb. You know, the... the Arsenal are toothless in the first half theme has just become so ubiquitous over the course of the last several weeks that I'm almost inclined to just sleep through the first half these days. And that is, that is something that it's hard to look anywhere except for the manager in the dressing room when you consistently show up and look asleep. And then, yeah, you know, you can also flip it and say, well, the team talk at halftime really did some good. Yeah, okay, but 
that's salvaging something as opposed to setting yourself up for victory from the first whistle, which is something we haven't seen enough of this season. So he's got a lot to think about during the interwall. I will say that I'm happy to keep the unbeaten streak running, of course, but by the same token, even though previously I was not happy to see us come into the interwall because of the momentum, now I'm glad to see the break because Emery has some drawing boards to get back to. Mm. Yeah, as far as Wolves go, they snap a three-game losing streak in the league, so nice for them to get a point. Um, after losing some steam here, really, after a very impressive start to the season. If we focus a little bit on the top of the table, Manchester City is your leader, 32 points. Liverpool in second with 30 points after beating Fulham 2-0. Chelsea dropped down to third after getting a scoreless draw against Everton. They have 28 points. And then you got uh, Spurs in fourth with 27 points. They got a 1-0 win over Crystal Palace. Uh, Spurs, though, 12 games played, only 20 goals scored. 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 So, yeah, only 20 goals. I mean, that's not the Spurs that we were used to see the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they've been completely shut out at White Hart Lane. So, that's... That, that was a joke, Seb. Yes, yes I, I understand. That. They haven't played a game there. Um, shut out of shut out of the stadium? Can, come on, come on. That was a good one. Yeah, maybe they should keep those NFL lines. Um, uh, Wembley. Uh, no, but I mean, it, it's, uh, it's worrying. I think that's another team that should definitely go on the hunt for another striker. I mean, we keep saying this all the time because they haven't find they haven't found a good complement striker that can play. You know, when Kane needs some rest, or if Kane needs to be subbed off in the, you know, with twenty minutes to go, and someone that can come in and still be a threat. They yeah. they still haven't found that one. They've tried a couple of different players. It hasn't worked. So uh, might be time again in January to go out on the hunt because twenty goals in twelve games and you're expecting to be a top four side. I think internally prior to the season starting, they probably have their sights set higher than fourth. Yeah. But they need to score some more goals. That's for sure. Uh, I should also say that city Liverpool, Chelsea, all still undefeated. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of a sneaky undefeated for Chelsea, but, yeah, they got a big game coming up in their next one after this international break as they uh, play away to Spurs. That's a big, big game. Oh, yeah, that's a big London derby. And as much as it pains me to say this, you need only take a look at the table to see it, but that is the top two teams in London at the moment mm-hmm. on form. And I think that Unai Emery has, despite the weaknesses in the squad that I spoke about earlier, set us up for success in the long term but they're the top two teams in london the table says so i wish i could argue but them's the bricks yeah no that's true and uh going further down in the table what a difference two wins can make newcastle up to 14th place now after first beating watford and then beating bournemouth in their last game so they're all the way up to 14th now nine points <laughs> a whopping nine points. I mean, it's it's scary just how bad the lower half of the table is. 
Yeah, it's been a lot of because you got mediocrity cannibalizing yeah, other mediocrity. Really, because you got West Ham sitting in thirteenth right now, twelve points, and then Fulham who are last, and they have five points. You only have seven points separating twentieth and thirteenth. So uh, even if in the end we might not get a super exciting race at the top of the table, maybe we'll get a two-horser there with City and Liverpool. Well, and there's also, I think, some interest that you've got to – some interest to be said for the fact that we simply have three undefeated teams at this point mm-hmm. in the season. But that yeah. bottom race, ooh, if this mediocrity continues. Yeah, I am. I am certainly looking forward to seeing – what uh, what Claudio Ranieri can do in that uh, race, the ignominious race to avoid relegation. Yep. No, it's uh, a lot of fun, a lot of things to look forward to here, even though we've already played almost a third of the season. Oof. Easy. Okay, with that, we're going to say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot's Keats was better, and then follow One Yank, One Swede. And until next time, have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.